Today I want to talk with you about Easter. This day that we celebrate every single year. I want to talk with you about this day. And I want to talk with you about the fact that there's really nothing religious about it. You see, the first Easter was not about religion, wasn't about churches, it wasn't about religious beliefs, but it was about a radical event that demonstrated the radical love that Jesus has for you and for me. Amen? Amen. And because of that event, people all around the world today wear little crosses around their neck. It's become a piece of jewelry that people wear. And some people wear that to remind them of the man, the man that changed the world by his radical love as he allowed himself to be put to death on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. And you already know that that man is Jesus. But what I want to talk with you about this morning and what I want you to get today is this. His radical love did not end on this cross. But Jesus conquered death. Amen? amen. Well, help me out. You got to be an amen church today, all right? Amen. amen. And Jesus came back and he lives today. Now, in this arena that we call earth, on this planet that we call earth, this arena, Jesus knocked out death and he walked out of his tomb alive. Now, Satan's plan all along was to knock the life out of Jesus. That was his plan. But Jesus knocked out death and walked out of his tomb alive. And then Jesus invited everybody in that generation and every generation to come to trust him, to forgive their sins, and to prepare for them a place to live again after they die, where they could come to life again as he came to life and live with him after they die. I don't know about you, but that spells a special kind of love when a holy God would do a thing like that for sinful men and women. That's a radical, different, unconditional, special kind of love. So this Easter, I want us to fully understand that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, yes, he came to earth. Yes, he died on a cross. Yes, he rose up from his grave, but he did so not to come and beat you down, but he came to love you up. Amen? Amen? That's why he came. He didn't come to knock you out, beat you down for your sins and for your failures. He came to give you life again, new life in him. He came to love you up. In fact, he wants to love you all the way up into his holy heaven. Amen? Amen. Where we can spend eternity with God. So it was always his plan to come to this earth to restore you, not abhor you, to redeem you, to receive you back to himself, to live with him in heaven forever. Folks, that's the kind of radical love that he had and he still has today, living in his heart for you. For you, that kind of radical love. But you know, today our culture mixes this radical event, this Easter time, with kind of just 
our culture's break time. (laughs) We kind of mix Easter with our spring break from school, a time to go shopping for some summer clothes and a swimsuit, a time to bring out the, the Easter dinner, the Easter ham, and have the family over. It's time for an Easter egg hunt, a trip to the beach in California anyways, or to the desert or to the mountains. Easter break in our culture has kind of become like just a, another holiday. And so all across America, families are gathering to do all kinds of fun and special family things, and that's awesome. We should. But very few who gather have experienced the radical love that the risen Lord Jesus has for them. And so lots of people just treat Easter like a great holiday that they love, but they miss the gift of his great love that he has for them. And part of the reason that lots of people treat Easter like just another holiday is because they think it's a religious thing. And for some people who've been burnt by a church or hurt by a church, some of them want nothing to do with anything religious. But actually, there's nothing religious about Easter. In fact, Easter is not a religious story. Easter is an event that happened. So Easter is all about an event. So on Easter, when we Christ followers gather, well, we're not celebrating a teacher or a teaching or a religion No, we celebrate an historical event that's recorded not only in biblical history, but also secular history. We celebrate the event of Jesus coming alive and walking out of his tomb. And so that means that Easter goes far beyond church, far beyond any religion or any religious practice. Write this down. You see, religion attempts to explain the unexplainable. That's what religion tries to do. Way back in ancient times, in the gap between what was explainable in life and what was unexplainable in life, what was really undeniable, things that were really happening but they were unexplainable, in that gap, religions grew up. And those religions attempted to explain to people why this stuff is happening. Because write this down. Because man's never been content with the answer, nobody knows. (laughs) We don't like that answer. When, When we ask why something is happening and somebody says, well, yeah, I really don't know. We are not content with that explanation. So in ancient times, when something undeniable would happen, like the changing of seasons, or like the changing of weather, or like crops producing awesome one year, but almost nothing the next year, Or pests coming and wiping out crops one year, but not the next year. When those things would happen, there was this gap between undeniable, it's happening, but unexplainable, we don't know why it's happening. In this gap, religious belief systems were created to answer man's questions. And so all of these unexplainable things were happening in ancient times. And in that gap... Religious thought was born, and they attempted to answer and explain what was happening. But then scientific discoveries came along and replaced some of those religious belief systems. Over time, science discovered and began to dismantle some wrong beliefs. For example, science discovered high and low pressure systems, and that replaced the belief that when lightning was in the sky... That was just two gods warring against each other. They were upset with each other, so they were were fighting. 
So when I see lightning in the sky, it's not the result of a god named Zeus warring against another god? No. It's a result of frozen water particles colliding with other water particles, and it makes lightning. So that's really not Zeus? No. It's a weather system. So the discovery of high and low pressure systems began to dismantle all kinds of of ancient religious belief systems. The discovery of germs replaced the beliefs that people were sick because of demonic curses. So when I get sick, you mean it's not the result of some demonic curse on me? No, it's the result of germs. So there's no need to reverse this curse? No, get some antibiotics. (laughs) So the discovery of germs and a way to kill them began to dismantle all kinds of ancient religious belief systems because religion is an attempt to explain the unexplainable. So in this gap, Religions were born and fueled between the undeniable stuff happening in life and the unexplainable stuff happening in life. So religion attempts to explain the unexplainable, then write this down, and it also attempts to answer the unanswerable. Religion attempts to answer things like, what happens when we die? Will I ever see my loved ones again? Or why are we here? Or why is there anything. Ponder that all Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Why is there anything? So these big unanswerable questions were fertile soil for ancient religions to, to grow. Now today we've got the word of God. It answers those questions. We've got the word of God that gives us the truth. But, but then religious systems were popping up in the gap and trying to answer those questions because once again, we don't like it when somebody says, well, nobody knows. We're not content with that. I mean, when you go to a doctor and you're sick and you've got an issue and he looks at you and goes, huh, never seen that before. (laughs) I don't know what to do about that. What do you do then? Well, you go to another doctor. You you, you get a second opinion. And why do you do that? Because you want an answer. You want to know what's going on. And even if the answer, even if the treatment is really goofy and stupid and he says, go home and stand on one leg and go, hmm, or something like that, You go home and you try it, even if it's goofy. And when your spouse says, your doctor told you to do that, what kind of a doctor is he? You say, well, I really don't know, but he had a white coat on, you know. (laughs) We get so desperate for an answer. But some religious beliefs developed in ancient times are really goofy, and some today are goofy. Some are not based on the word of God at all. But the reason people hold on to those things is because they simply want an answer. So listen really close. Easter is not about trying to explain the unexplainable. It's not about trying to answer the unanswerable. Easter is about an event that happened, and Christianity was born because of what happened at that event the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Amen? Amen. Write this down. Easter celebrates an event not a religious belief system. Easter is not some attempt to answer a question. Easter is a a celebration of of an event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to get this this morning. And nobody was expecting an event like that. (laughs) Nobody, not even the closest followers of Jesus Christ, was expecting a resurrection I mean, the followers of Jesus did not go stand outside his tomb on the third day and all shout together, 10, 9, 8, 7. No, 
They, they, they didn't do that. Here he comes, you know, five, four. No, they didn't do that. Nobody expected a resurrection. In fact, the Bible says that his closest followers, when Jesus died, they scattered. Some lost their faith. But listen now, but everything changed when his followers saw the empty tomb and they saw Jesus alive. The Bible tells us that over 500 people saw Jesus alive, walked with him, talked with him, ate with him, had fellowship with him before he ascended to the Father. Everything changed when they saw Jesus alive. And the message that they began to preach. These people that when Jesus died were so afraid of their lives, they suddenly became bold. And the message they began to preach was not about the great teachings of Jesus. It was not about the, his moral example. They didn't begin to preach about the miracles that he performed. They didn't talk about religious beliefs or rituals or practices of the, of the temples that day, but about the resurrection of Jesus. And his followers wouldn't shut up. This Easter, I want you to listen in detail to their message and what happened just a few weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ because his followers wouldn't stop talking about this. The Bible says this. We're going to go fast. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple, talking about the big temple in Jerusalem, the epicenter of all Judaism and religious thought. The Bible says one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon, and a man who was lame from birth, this guy never walked, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, everybody knew about this temple gate called Beautiful, and every day this beggar's friends would put him at this gate because People going through this gate to go pray would surely have some mercy on this person who had no other way to make an income. So that's where they placed him. The Bible goes on and says, and when he, the beggar, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That's what a beggar did. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the, the beggar's asking for money. He's not looking at anybody. He's just putting out his hand, putting out his cup. And Peter says, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. No beggar, nobody talks to a beggar unless you plan to give him something, right? <laughs> you walk by somebody begging, and if, and if you don't want to give money, you don't make eye contact. And you, you see somebody wanting money or trying to sell you something going, going into Ralph's. You ever done that? Okay. And, and you, you, your ears go deaf, and you walk a little bit faster, and you walk right on by them. But you don't stop and talk to them. But Peter and John stop and talk to him. And he's thinking, oh, man, I'm about to get something. And Peter says, silver or gold I do not have. The beggar probably went, oh, man. <laughs> but what I have, I do give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, you've got to understand that everybody walking past them now, going into this temple to pray, who heard the words, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, knew who Peter was talking about. Everybody knew about the crucified guy on the middle cross. The crucified guy who hung on the middle cross just a few weeks back. Everybody knew about the storm that followed the crucifixion. Everybody knew about the earthquake that happened. Everybody knew about the, the curtain that ripped from top to bottom in the temple. 
Everybody was aware of the big buzz stirring in the city about this man. They knew about the man called Jesus. Then Peter, taking the beggar by the right hand, helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So here's this beggar. He's catching everybody's attention, not in a good way. That's not the way to go into the temple to pray, walking, jumping, praising God. That's not how you entered at that time and day. And then the Bible says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They recognized him, but they'd never seen him standing, ever. Never saw him stand. Prayer time's interrupted. I imagine some whispering started to go wrong. That's the lame beggar. And then the Bible goes on and says, while the man held on to Peter and John, not because he couldn't walk. Remember, the Bible says he was walking, leaping, praising God. Okay. He's holding on to his heroes right then. <laughs> the guy that just helped him out. So he held on, and all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. So the people in the temple that were getting ready to go pray ran to Peter and John and the beggar. Prayer stopped. Inspection time began. When Peter said, saw this, he said to them, people of Israel, now the crowd is gathering. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. In other words, the, the same God you've always worshipped did this through his servant Jesus. But then Peter goes, but you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he, Pilate, had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Everybody say wow with me. <laughs> wow. What a way to start a message. <laughs> you killed Jesus. But then Peter says, but God raised him from the dead, and don't miss this next part, and we are witnesses of this. That's the message of Peter and John. We simply don't believe something we saw something. We're not simply followers of Jesus. We're witnesses of his resurrection. We saw him alive after he, was di after he died. And we're here to tell you today that we're followers and believers in Jesus because we saw him die. We saw the tomb empty. And we saw him living again. He is risen. So the same Peter and John that scattered and denied Jesus out of fear after the crucifixion were now courageous. So the question is, why? What turned them around? What would give them the courage to be so bold? The event, the resurrection, the event changed everything. 
The Bible goes on and it says the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, this group that thinks that once you die, that's it. There's no heaven. There's no afterlife. They all came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So imagine, here they are in the temple with all the high mucky mucks, (laughs) all the leaders, and Peter and John wouldn't shut up about the resurrection. And beyond that, they were even saying, and all who believe in Jesus will resurrect from the dead and live with him again in heaven. So look at what the Bible says happened. So the temple guards seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the very next day. So they get arrested, they're in jail, but then look at this. But many who heard the message, the message of the event, the resurrection, they believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So if 5,000 men believed, it makes you wonder how many women and children also believed. We're talking about thousands. So do you know why Christianity was catapulted out of Palestine? Do you know why Christianity was catapulted out of the, the first history? Do you know why Christianity was catapulted into our day and time? It's simply because those who heard the message of Peter and John believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Those who heard the message believed that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God. They believed in the event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the story ends this way. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. We're talking about, okay, all the, all the top guys are here. They were all there, and they had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. And look at their question. By what power or what name did you do this? You see, they're, they're looking at Peter and John, a couple of ordinary guys, no fame, no riches, fishermen, <laughs> looking at these ordinary guys and saying, how did you guys pull off this miracle? Nobody else could do this. How, by what name or power did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. Now get this, they're talking to the same people who ordered and carried out the crucifixion. They're telling this very same people that the miracle was accomplished by the name of the one that they had crucified. Everybody say wow with me, wow. So here, at the risk of liberty for their own lives, at the risk of their very own lives, they wouldn't shut up about this event, the death and yet the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter celebrates an event not just some religious system. And last, write this down. Easter celebrates Jesus as the way to God, the way to God. Christianity gets attacked all the time for being too narrow when it comes to how people can have a relationship with God, how people can go to heaven when they die. But the Bible makes it really clear. Look at this. 
Salvation is found in no one else. No other person. For there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Here's Peter's point. The reason we can't shut up about Jesus, the reason we can't shut up about his resurrection, the reason we keep bringing it up is because no one has ever done this before. There is no one else like Jesus. There is no other name that can offer the hope and the assurance of life after death like the name and person of Jesus Christ. So we can't keep our mouths shut about Jesus and this event. So here's the bottom line on this Easter. You can place your faith in some religious guessing game or the resurrection. You can place your faith in some religious belief system or this event in history. You can place your faith in some set of spiritual behaviors. If I do this and this and this and I'm just good enough, maybe God will let me into his heaven. You can do that or you can place your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But if you think that Peter was right since he was there and he saw Jesus alive, if you believe that salvation is found in no one else, then I want to offer you today the very same invitation that Peter offered to those people when 5,000 men said, I want to follow Jesus. And they believed. Today, I invite you to put your trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you of all your sins and come into your life. I invite you to put your trust in Jesus to save you from the penalty you deserve and I deserve for all of our sins. And if you do this, Jesus will meet you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you from the inside out. And he will save you. And when you close your eyes on this earth and you open your eyes in heaven, you'll see Jesus and you'll live with him in heaven after you die. You'll resurrect from the dead and be with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if you will do this, Jesus will not only meet you, forgive you, and save you, but you'll begin to experience this radical kind of love that he has had in his heart, living in his heart from the beginning of creation for you. You'll begin to experience this radical love like never before. But you see, lots of folks know a lot about church, a lot about the scriptures, a lot about religious practices, but they've never experienced this radical love because they've just never said, Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender to you. I'm not going to go my own way anymore. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to put my trust in you as Savior and Lord. They've never invited Christ to come into their lives. So they may know a lot, may have a lot of experience around church, but they haven't experienced his radical love. And that's something that he has for you. If you'd like to experience that radical kind of love from God Almighty, I invite you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray as we close. And if you pray this prayer, Jesus will come into your heart, forgive your sins, and save you for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. As I pray this prayer, I encourage you, if you've never invited Christ to come into your life, do it today. Or maybe you have, but you know in your heart, as you sit here right now, that you're not living for him. You made a decision at one point, but you've turned away, you've walked away, and you know it. Make this the day that you come back to him. He's waiting for you. 
Repeat this after me. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that he's the only Savior of the world. I put my trust in him to be saved from the penalty I deserve. So, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come live in me. Be my Savior and my Lord. And best that I know how, I will trust you and I will follow you. With all heads bowed, Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. If you prayed that prayer, whether for the first time or a recommitment, will you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want you to know I'm making a confession. I want Jesus to confess me before the Father. So just lift your hand. Amen. (laughs) That's awesome. What a great day. Awesome. Amen. The Bible also says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to tell somebody with your mouth today, Mom, Dad, I prayed that prayer. Or you say, Honey, I prayed that prayer. Tell somebody. And at that moment that you do that, you'll experience a moment with Jesus that's radical. You will sense his cleansing power and his presence come over you when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is now your Savior. Do that today and you'll experience his love. Find this day that we can celebrate not only the death but the resurrection of your son. Lord, we leave here placing all of our trust in you. May you be honored. May you glorify all that you've done for us. In your name we pray, Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, love you. May God bless you all.